Welcome to a Millennial's Guide to Real Estate Investing. Here is your host, Antoine Martel. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a Millennial's Guide to Real Estate Investing podcast. Today, I have somebody who's in a very unique space, the mobile home park space. Haven't had anybody um, in this space yet, so excited to have Jefferson Lilly with us today. Um, Jefferson's been investing in mobile home parks since 2013. He now is the owner of Park Avenue Partners. Um, and with him and his other partnerships, he owns around 23 mobile home parks already, has 2,200 pads nationwide, but he's a California resident. And most of his deals are over in Kansas, specifically in Wichita, Kansas. So thanks for coming on the show today, Jefferson. And um, excited to chat with you for the next hour or so about... Uh, mobile home parks and investing out of state. Great. Thanks for having me, Antoine. No worries. So I like to start off every conversation kind of with how you got started in real estate investing. Um, you know, some people start with single families, realize that it's not the right place for them to have their money and they move to apartment buildings or to mobile home parks. So what was what did your first real estate investment deal look like and how did that go? Yeah. Well, uh, as I say, when I woke up from the concussion, it just seemed like a good idea to buy a mobile home park. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I got into the space because you know I had been working in, in high tech here in, in the Silicon Valley area, and I wanted to diversify and really get into uh, get into real estate and do something uh, value uh, real estate in particular. So I was not looking to buy. Uh, overpriced San Francisco real estate. Yep. Um, although it seems to have gone even higher. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, I just started looking around um, online and uh, was looking at a number of apartment buildings, but a lot of my searches kept turning up mobile home parks yeah. uh, as being a, a multifamily property like an apartment building. Um, and I started researching them. The, the mobile home parks all seemed to earn more money. Um, and I thought it was, and it is, a quirky little niche and, and perhaps overlooked. Yeah. Um, so I started researching it, learning all I could, uh, you know, reading books, tapes, uh, set up kind of an unofficial advisory board of about 10 guys that were all mobile home park owners who all kind of gave me advice. Um, and anyway, ended up finding my first deal of all places off eBay. Uh, I didn't literally click and PayPal the guy. Half the <laughs> But it was like a classified ad, and uh, wow. I responded. We talked on the phone, had a couple of diligence conversations. Uh, I got a contract in place and then traveled uh, out. Uh, that property was in um, and still is uh, in Oklahoma. Um, and then, you know, went through a normal closing process, of course, through a title company. Uh, but I did find that first deal there. Um, there's certainly, you know, you can find these on LoopNet and other websites yeah. but for better or for worse. I, uh, found my first deal on kind of an unusual place to, to find real estate. There's all kinds of real estate on eBay. Actually, I've been quite surprised. Wow. I've never heard anybody buying some first piece of real estate from eBay. That's crazy. And then how did that, do you still own that deal today? I do. Yep. Still do. Okay. Yeah, and it was around, good. it was around a half a million bucks and how many pads was that for? And uh, yeah, so uh, I believe it was a four hundred and fifty thousand dollar purchase for sixty six pads. Got it. So obviously less than ten thousand a pad. Um, there were approximately forty five pads occupied. 
So to that ratio, it was right about 10,000 per pad. Um, and, uh, you know, lot rents at the time were real low, like $110. Uh, they're now about 275. Wow. Uh, it's been 11 years that first I've been raising money outside money since about 2013, but I actually bought this first park back in 2007, just oh, with wow. my own money. Um, and then bought another park, uh, also in the Oklahoma city area, and then went on to, to start raising money in my partnerships and buying more. That's awesome. And then, so how do you, how did you realize, because the pad space, you know, or the multi, the mobile home park space compared to a multifamily or apartment building or something like that, the pad spaces, how did you check comps to figure out, okay, the, the current comps for this apartment, yeah, for this mobile home park pad is 275 and these are, yeah. you know, how it, it's easy for me cause I can go on Zillow and I can look up, you know, all the rents around the area, but how do you do that with mobile home parks? Yeah. So uh, you can always just pick up the phone and call a competing park and yeah. just say, what's your lot rent? And uh, that's that's a good way, of course, to find out where lot rents are. Uh, but frankly, sometimes lot rents can go higher than what other people are, are charging. Um, we've seen on average, uh, it varies by market, but on average nationwide, uh, pad rents can go to 40 or 50 percent of what a two-bedroom apartment costs oh. and it's relatively easy to determine you know uh what a two-bedroom apartment goes for yeah. say it's 100 bucks then okay probably fair market can go to about 400 um so you know when we see a park that's in a market like that kind of regardless of where the other mobile home parks are um, you know, if we're seeing a park where the lot rents are 200 bucks, we just kind of know that's too low and, and we'll bump them up over, over time. You know, we don't, gotcha. we don't shock our residents too much, but yeah. we'll maybe, maybe get the rents towards that $400 figure over, you know, three, four or five years, something like that. Got Depends it. on. The okay. And then do you, for that first deal and, you know, for all deals after you have a property management company who's managing those, those mobile home parks for you as well. Um, so no, we do it in house. Um, this is a quirky little niche and there really aren't very many, you know, national companies, yeah. really any that, that do this. It's, you know, it's different if you've got a, you know, 150 unit apartment complex in a major Metro, uh, or certainly if you're doing, you know, office properties in a major Metro, there, there are plenty of good property management companies for that. But a lot of our properties, frankly, are smaller, uh, under 100 pads, uh, and maybe in somewhat more, you know, secondary markets. Uh, we're in places like Rock Springs, Wyoming, uh, Dayton, Ohio, Midland, Michigan, um, indeed, Wichita, Kansas as well. Okay. Um, and so, so we, we, we manage it ourselves. There are, are, we have actually two people uh, that do nothing but manage the properties, uh, help with renovating, you know, overseeing and renovating any homes, uh, that might bounce back to us. Sometimes tenants abandon their mobile homes yeah. we need to renovate them. Uh, or again, parks need to be occasionally repaved. We need to have a snow removal contract rebid. Uh, obviously our properties in the North, 
plenty of lawn mowing contracts. Anyway, so that's what our asset management team does. It's two people that oversee those roughly two dozen mobile home parks. Got it. Okay, cool. And then are they, do you provide them housing at one of the mobile home parks? Or are you just paying them like a salary? How does that okay. work? Yeah. So what I've just described are what we call our asset managers. They're off site. They're at our headquarters here in California. Got it. Um, all of the properties do have an on site manager. That person uh, is principally responsible for collecting the rent. Uh, and then, you know, putting up any late notices, filing any evictions, uh, enforcing the park rules, you know, making sure our residents don't have non-running cars or, you know, knee-high grass growing in their front yard. Um, so all those issues of rent con uh, rent collection and rules enforcement, that's the on-site person. And, yeah, they'll often get uh, housing for free. Um, and then again, bigger decisions, like if we have to repave a park, that could be a fifty to $100,000 investment. Wow. Those bigger dollar investments are uh, then typically handled by our uh, asset managers at headquarters. They'll get bids and oversee those bigger dollar investments back into our parks. Got it. Yeah, and that was my next question. So you know, again, for apartment buildings or even for a lot of the people listening who do single families and stuff like that, it's easy to see the value in a, or the added value. How can I renovate this place? Well, I can, you know, update the interiors of the property. I can, you know, renovate the exteriors of all the homes or whatever it may be, sure. or all the units. Um, but for mobile home parks, you know, it's a different setup where, can you explain how, you know, you own the pad, but then people bring in their their property and lay it on yeah. your pad. So you don't really own their home. You own the pad that their home sits on, correct? That's correct. Out of our roughly 2,200 pads, uh, we own around 200 of the houses. So about 10%, but obviously that means 90% of the homes are owned by the residents. Um, and so we really uh, look at this business much like the parking lot business. Uh, we just want these homes uh, on, on the lot, paying the rent. Um, it's a path to home ownership for, for, the, for those folks, those roughly 10% of our homes, or 10% of the, the, the total homes that we own in our communities. Yeah. Those are almost entirely on rent to own agreements. Got it. Uh, we generally don't do, you know, regular rentals. We want to build communities of owners. Um, so again, e perhaps even for as little as a thousand dollars down and maybe 300 a month for a couple of years, that would be a more modest house. But for that little money, we can help someone become a homeowner. Um, and then we do sell brand new, really nice homes. Those typically are $50,000 and less. Yeah. They might be paying more like 600 bucks a month uh, for say 10 years or 12. Uh, there's no 30 year mortgage in our business. Everybody can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Their path to home ownership lies pretty clearly in, in front of them. Um, anyway, so then, then in the long run, we're back to really just having a parking lot business. Yeah, we may never get to you know 100% resident-owned homes, but we'll probably get to less than. We'll probably get to over 95%, so yeah. less than five percent of the homes that we'd be responsible for at any time. And having a business that's 95% parking lot and maybe 10% sort of 
apartment building uh, is a pretty pretty good business model. Yeah, yeah, I like it too. And then, so you know, now that you've said that, and you're kind of in the parking lot business, how do you when you go and see a deal? How do you see the value in you know? Okay, you can check comps and you're buying pads you know, that are renting for a hundred and you know, the market is 200. So, you know, there's some room to go, but is there any, um, like added value that you can go and provide? So I know you can repave the parking lot and maybe put fencing, you know, new fencing or something like that. But what are some other things that you can actually do to these apartment buildings that you can increase the value and you can automate, you know, you can very quickly add an extra 50 bucks per month on all these lots and stuff like that. Yeah. So the first thing is we would address any health and safety concerns. Uh, that's always number one on our list above profits is take care of health and safety. Yeah. So there have been uh, plenty of parks. Uh, in fact, one uh, in particular we bought, I think, just over a year ago in the Raleigh-Durham uh, market, uh, obviously very near both Duke uh, and Chapel Hill. Great little market. Uh, but the previous owner had allowed, I believe, six mobile homes uh, to become abandoned and really get vandalized on the property. And kids were playing in those homes. Oh, so man. within the first couple of weeks of buying that uh, property, we had those homes scrapped out. They were beyond repair. We, you know, if it were possible, if it were economically feasible to have repaired them, we would do that and yeah. expand the supply of affordable housing that way. Uh, but these homes were beyond repair. So we scrapped them out, uh, got, you know, got rid of the broken glass and other, you know, health and safety issues. Um, and that part, we're now bringing in brand new homes. We're still going to expand the supply of affordable housing there, uh, but we're going to do it uh, almost exclusively with brand new homes coming into that community. Um, but other other rules enforcement, you know, will just make folks actually mow their lawns and trim trees. Uh, actually, generally, trees is on us as the landlord. Okay. And you think somebody would have to get up on a ladder for for liability reasons. We take care of that. Uh, but nobody needs to get on, on, on a ladder to mow their own front yard. So yeah. we'll make sure tenants are mowing. Uh, make sure there are not uh, non-running cars or other junk. I remember my first deal, the one in the Oklahoma City metro, I removed almost two tons of junk out of that park. Old couches, tires, wow. refrigerators, just trash. Uh, this was almost two tons of stuff that I physically removed out of that park. Wow. Uh, so we do that kind of thing. We'll also enforce uh, rule, uh, other rules and uh you know, if there are anybody that anybody in the park that are like violent felons or yeah. sex offenders, uh, will evict that element out of the park. Um, so really, by both doing physical improvement to, to, to the property that way, the land and yep. the home, and then enforcing rules and getting rid of any bad element in the park. Um, that makes it, you know, much more family friendly and then much more likely that people are going to refer their, their friends and family. Um, and again, that, that does mean we're able to bump rents. We're providing value. We're investing real capital and time into that community to make it a better neighborhood. Absolutely. Um, and again, that, that's certainly also reflected in, in, uh, rents. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, like for me, when I look at apartment buildings, it's, Okay, who are the who are the bad apple? Because one bad apple can ruin a whole bunch, and especially exactly. if yeah, and especially if they're not taking care of their lawn, and you're right next to somebody else who is taking care of their lawn. Well, then you know 
it kind of affects the morale of of everybody living at your park and stuff like that. And yeah, by moving out all that garbage too, it's going to help clean up the place and people are going to, you know, feel more like a community. Um, right. So, yep. and then do, do any of your parks have like a pool or a clubhouse that you've had to go and do renovations to those as well? Cause I can, you know, I'm assuming that you can buy a park and you know, the clubhouse is a piece of crap and the pool is, <laughs> is drained and you know, the property management company never takes care of it. And you can come and that could be another piece of added value too. Uh, yes. So, uh, most of our parks do not come with amenities like that, but yeah. we do have a couple, especially in the Wichita market. Uh, we own, uh, that, uh, city's two nicest parks and they both have clubhouses and pools. Uh, they did need some fix up. One of the pools, as I recall, the previous owner had just kept painting it every year for like maybe even the previous 20 years. I think he was both trying to make it look nice, but also trying to stop a leak. But <laughs> you don't paint. stop leaks by painting. That's not a permanent solution. The yeah. bottom of, of the pool apparently had something like two inches oh of my paint God. on it. So we scraped out all that, fixed the leak proper, and then put one coat of paint uh, back on it. Uh, but yeah, so we, we absolutely do uh, things like that to improve uh, the, the common amenities, common area amenities for our residents. Got it. And then finding deals, how have you, how do you normally find your deals? I know you said eBay was one of them, um, but there's also LoopNet. And then how, I know, I'm assuming now that you've been very focused on your markets, you have some broker relationships that are giving you deals. But exactly. for people who maybe want to get into mobile home park investing, on their own? Is it the same as multifamily? Call as many brokers as you can? Um, or are there, is there another niche website that does only mobile home parks? Um, there is. There's a website called uh, mobilehomeparkstore.com. Okay. And uh, so they have parks for sale there. Um, and, but another good way, yeah, calling brokers, just trying to get high on their radar screen is yeah. good. Um, it never hurts to just pick up the phone and call a park or all the parks in a town you might be interested in buying uh, and or mail postcards. Um, there, there is no single good way. There yeah. seem to be, frankly, a number of ways that all work sort of so-so <laughs> to, yeah. to, to find deals. So you, you kind of need to have uh, uh, many irons in the fire yep. to, uh, to, to find a deal. But, yeah. Uh, you know, persistence pays, and absolutely, uh, there are deals out there to be had. Yeah, and for me, my first apartment building, which is set to close in a couple of weeks, is just from I had every broker in Memphis, Tennessee, on an email blast every single week with my criteria, and sure enough, I emailed them on a Thursday morning, and they said, "Oh yeah, I just talked to somebody on Wednesday night, and I'll send you over a package at the end of the day." And I was the first person to see it, and I put it under contract right away. So. Good for you. Persistence is key for sure. Yes. And then financing. So, you know, compared to apartment buildings or single family homes, how does the financing aspect for multifamily homes differ or is it the same as, as uh, apartments or single family? I think it's the same. Uh, again, I've never financed an apartment building. Uh, as I say, that sounds like they're, they're, they're leaky toilets and leaky roofs there. <laughs> own, let alone finance, leaky toilets and leaky roofs. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, we, we've done financing kind of the, the, the four basic food groups, as I call it, uh, uh, not in any particular order, but you'd have seller carry. You just get the seller to agree to let you pay out over time. Uh, we've certainly gotten bank debt as well. Uh, we've also borrowed through the CMBS market, and we've also borrowed agency debt from Fannie uh, and Freddie. Got it. So okay. We've done it any number of ways, and depending on the deal, the size, how nice it is, yeah. how full it is, all of these lend, how big it is, all these lenders have different criteria. Uh, anyway, so we'll we'll kind of do anything for a buck, yeah. so to speak. We'll we'll do at least whatever makes the most sense for a buck. And again, that just kind of depends on on the deal size and, and condition and occupancy. Got it. Yeah, I didn't know if Fannie and Freddie had mobile home parks on the radar, but it sounds like they do. So yeah, for for, for apartment buildings, for us, it's Fannie and Freddie are the two most popular ones, to, especially Freddie Mac. Once you get over a million dollar loan, then Freddie Mac is the one that most apartment building investors use because it's non-recourse. It's mostly based on the asset, all that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah, um, same for us at Mobile Home Parks. Okay, cool. Um, and then I wanted to talk to you a little bit about turnover. So, yep. you know, for apartment buildings, it's really like a nine or 12-month turnover for tenants. Then we have to clean the, clean the unit, put a brand new tenant in. For single-family homes, it's a little bit different. It's normally longer, 12, 24 months. In Memphis, I assign tenants on 24-month leases, but typically those people stay longer cross your fingers. And then in Cleveland and the other markets, you know, it's one year leases and most of them stay that, but then some of them will renew, many of them just fall off and we find a new tenant. So how does that differ from you in the mobile home park space um, compared to that? So in our world, we really view the tenant as being the mobile home. It's the structure. It's not the person in the home. Interesting. And I mean no disrespect to the people in the homes, but speaking purely as a landlord, the idea is that, frankly, mo mobile homes are a bit of a misnomer. These things aren't really mobile. These are not RVs. There's no engine in them. These cash flows generally don't drive off. Um, so as long as that mobile home is economically viable, somebody will be paying rent on it. Again, when, when, when somebody needs to leave and go take a job in another city, they don't take the home, usually don't take the home with them. Mm. So they'll put an ad up on Craigslist, they'll sell it to someone else, someone else buys it, of course, applies with us to live in the community um, and, and, and buys that house and begins paying rent on it. So it's usually fairly seamless. We're, we're collecting the lot rent all the way along, no matter who is in that house. So the question then becomes, well, when do mobile homes end of life? Here it depends a lot on, on the people in them, which yeah. means it depends a lot on the economy. Um, but let's just say on average, I think mobile homes last about 50 years. So that would mean you'd have about 2% tenant turnover every year. Indeed, some of the mobile homes do get pulled out. Maybe that doubles that number, but um, turnover, as we would define it, would be, you know, four or five percent a year. So certainly, you know, an order of magnitude lower turnover uh, than apartment building or single family house investing. Got it. Well, especially for us, we have you have just turnover, but you don't even have any turn. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't even have any turnover costs because it's one of my uh, or 
not as much as we do maybe because you know apartment building tenant leaves we have to spend maybe a thousand bucks to clean the place up or paint again it depends how dirty that tenant is <laughs> and how they treated their apartment but you know we have yeah. the turnover maybe five percent and then we have also the additional cost so do you have any additional cost if you do have a turnover yeah so uh it's generally pretty low uh if a home is truly end of life uh then we would have to scrap it out uh and that's typically a couple thousand dollars okay. to haul that house out and pay dump fees on it Got it. Um, and then, of course, we'd typically be looking at investing uh, perhaps forty or fifty thousand dollars to bring in a, a new brand house. new house. Um, but again, that kind of turnover might only be once every fifty years, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and it is a significant upgrade to the community. Exactly. Better newer homes are going to attract a dramatically better tenant uh, than that you know, old home and whatever tenant say was living in, in a more beat up mobile home. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise the, the turnover, uh, sorry, the turnover costs are pretty much zero. Yeah. Usually it's on the tenant again to just put an ad and sell that house however they want. Um, there have been some times though, when we'll actually buy a house from a tenant, if it's at a particularly good price, um, and then, uh, so that would be an outlay of, you know, who knows, three grand, maybe 10 grand. Uh, but then we're typically able to sell the house, not always for cash, but maybe we'd get back another couple thousand down and create a note, uh, you know, that again, might get us, of course, the lot rent plus something for the house. You know, we, we might then for the house alone, get, who knows, 300 bucks a month, maybe for the next five years. Got it. Um, another 60 months. So, so we're able, so turnover when we do have to invest usually is a significant upgrade, uh, and, or it creates a note and additional real stream of income for us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. And then let's say somebody doesn't pay their, they're living in your complex and they don't pay their, their fees for the, the plot that they have. So what is yeah. the what's the eviction process look like um, for you and and is it is there a difference in states between you know landlord friendly and tenant friendly in terms of those spaces? There sure are, yeah. Okay. So I think just like apartments, yep, uh, yeah, California and New York and Massachusetts are particularly tenant friendly. Uh, they uh, tend to violate our rights as a landowner, as a property <laughs> owner. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, so again, most of what we own is in the greater Midwest. Uh, so, you know, trying to process an eviction on a non-payer in a place like Kansas or Ohio or Wyoming is quite easy. Yep. Um, and in fact, what that means is we have relatively few evictions because tenants know they can't game the system the way they can in California, where maybe they delay it and it's, you know, yeah. six months to get out a non-payer in California. Yeah. It's not even six weeks. It's more like three or four weeks to get out a non-payer uh, in, in most of America. Yep. Um, so anyway, uh, so frankly, people do tend to pay. It's fairly rare that we actually have to evict anybody. Wow. And especially folks that already own their own house. Uh, you know, we're talking about across our portfolio, I think our average lot rent somewhere around 310 bucks. So 
frankly, people will beg, borrow, and steal to come up with 310 yeah. bucks. It's just not a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but indeed, where we are renting to own a house to someone, uh, then a payment might be anywhere between 600 and $1,000. Um, so those tend to be the folks that don't pay. Got it. Uh, anyway, and then eviction works substantially the same as it works in the apartment world. We just file the eviction. Usually about 10 days later, we're in court. Um, and again, out in the greater Midwest, in, in regular, real America, uh, you know, folks, honestly, more than half come up with the money uh, on their way to court. That's the fastest way to get yourself paid yeah. is to file an eviction. Most yep. of these people will come up with the money. Um, but again, then uh, if we're actually evicting somebody, uh, we'd go through court and they usually have at least another couple of days. But honestly, I've been in this business 11 years. As far as like really having to really evict people, it's only happened a handful of times. Wow. It's very rare. You actually have to go all the way through and have a sheriff show up and evict somebody that's you know i've done that maybe five times in oh, wow. 11 years or something yeah that's it's very good very rare people almost always pay or they know again in the midwest that they're going to lose in court and they just move back in with their parents or their high school buddy they just disappear in the middle of the night yeah and uh and then we get our, our house back uh, the easy way so got it that's awesome yeah that's terrific cost i mean or terrific management headache uh relieved because in the apartment building world i mean you you know your your tenants are paying 600 to a thousand bucks similar to what they're paying for the mobile home where we yeah. are and yeah if a tenant doesn't pay then we file the eviction on the 15th and typically people will will leave and then sometimes yeah we have to go through the whole thing and then they say they're bankrupt and they have no money and then you have to go through the sheriff thing the sheriff shows up so um but okay, that sounds good. And then talk a little bit now about what you're doing now with Park Avenue Partners, and you're now looking to raise some money to get into some more um, yep. mobile home parks. So um, talk about how you've been raising funds in the past through your your podcast. I know you have yeah. you know ten thousand downloads a month on Mobile Home Park Investors podcast. So talk yep. a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so about three years ago, uh, I started uh, the Mobile Home Park Investors podcast. It's simply mobilehomeparkinvestors.com. Uh, and from there, you've got the links to the podcast. Uh, we get actually now about 16,000 downloads awesome. a month. Um, and then I also run the largest group on LinkedIn, same name, mobilehomeparkinvestors.com. That's uh, off that website. Uh, and then also I publish the industry calendar of events. Uh, earnings calls for some of the publicly traded REITs that own mobile home parks, uh, as well as upcoming trade shows and things. Awesome. Um, anyway, so all that's there. Um, yeah, so I would say pretty much every week uh, somebody finds my podcast or one that I've done with somebody like you, Antoine, and they call and they're like, hey, I would love to learn more, You know, would, would consider investing with you, send me your pitch deck, that kind of thing. Um, so the podcasting has played a pretty integral role, uh, in what I've been able to do again, since getting started raising outside money and in, in 13, um, I've raised cumulatively just over $20 million, uh, and have borrowed about another 35. So I bought about $55 million worth of mobile home parks. Those, those two dozen coast to coast. Um, so this will be uh, really my third fund. 
and uh, we'll be doing substantially the, the same thing as I've been doing uh, for about the last four or five years, just buying really sort of Midwestern, bread and butter, nothing fancy, mobile home parks, few of them with swimming pools and clubhouses, but that's okay. Um, I really focus on expanding the supply of affordable housing. So again, most of these parks don't have amenities, uh, but that also means they're more affordable with call it roughly a three hundred dollar uh, uh, lot rent. So, got it. That's what I'll that's what I'll be doing. Fifty thousand is the minimum investment, and uh, it's tough to make. You know, I, I make rough rough guesstimates. I, I would estimate most of our investors would earn ten to fifteen percent a year compounded okay. over the next decade with me. No guarantees, and you've got to read all the offering documents and legalese. But uh, most of that, most of that return will be paid out in cash. Uh, some of my previous investments pay at least eight, and some as high as fifteen percent in cash uh, every year. And then appreciation will add something additional onto that when the parks are sold uh, or refinanced. Um, anyway, so that's that's about the the size and shape of it. Everybody's got to be an accredited investor. We're a, a, a 506 Reg D, Reg C fund, I guess it is, with the SEC. Um, so folks do need to be accredited, but um, if they are, then they can get more information at uh, parkavenuepartners.com. Got it. Cool. And then are you guys placing a bunch of LOIs now, or do you have something under contract that you're looking to close? Yeah, so we don't actually typically use LOIs. We want to have a, a legally binding purchase and sale agreement. Got it. Um, so I am actually uh, negotiating on a couple of different properties uh, right now um, that have come my way. My goal really for the next several months will be fundraising. And yeah. that, of course, will enable me to pay for, for any of these properties and give me a better sense of whether I'm going to go after, you know, Big properties, size, yeah. little properties are smaller. So I'm kind of waiting for some market feedback. I'll know much more about that over the next couple months. Um, but long story short, yeah, I may have something under contract uh, by Friday of this week. We'll see. Uh, but if it doesn't happen, I, I'm, I'm fine to just keep focusing on fundraising for the next couple months and we'll then turn my attentions towards uh, acquisitions. Got it. Love it. And then have you found it hard over the last year or two to find those mobile home parks compared to, you know, you started in 2013, great time to start. But now that the market's been kind of tightening up, especially in the, you know, multifamily home space, everybody on the coast is trying to buy these apartment buildings and they're going sky high and cap rates are, are dropping way down. So are you finding the same thing with apartment buildings or you still think it's, so niche that it's looked over by a lot of investors? It's somewhere in between. Uh, it's certainly becoming more popular and we've generally seen prices move higher. Um, but I don't think it's game over. Yeah, it's because uh, your podcast is you know, 16,000 16, people listening a month. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my podcast has been getting a lot more popular over the last year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's game over. I, I think the key things will be uh, sourcing deals and actually making phone calls, sending out letters, doing what have you to try and reach park owners directly. Um, and then, you know, I think increasingly to, to earn a good return, you'll have to actually invest time and money in these deals. Yeah. You'll, you'll need to, again, oversee the rehab of 
this home and, and the other and put them out on rent to own agreements and you may need to pave you know, over some potholes and trim some trees and scrap out some abandoned homes for a couple thousand each. So this business is becoming real work to generate an, an, a good earning, a, a good income. But um, I don't know, I'm not scared off by an honest day's work. Got it. But indeed, the real easy money days may, uh, may be behind us. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then typically, like the deals that you're seeing now that you're, that you're looking at, that you're underwriting, what are the typical cap rates that you're seeing for us in multifamily it's like eight percent cap is a very hard number to hit now even in the midwest because i'm all midwest too so are you yeah. what kind of cap rates are you seeing for your parks that you're looking at i would say in general in the midwest it's around an eight cap um not to focus on any you know specific number and there are many more things to a deal yeah, than yeah, that. In the upside, can you renovate? Can you? Or does it have vacant pads? Yep. Can you bring in mobile homes and improve your cash flow by increasing your physical occupancy? Um, but yeah, I would say somewhere around eight is probably generally where where most Midwestern uh, deals price. Uh, I have looked at a couple of California parks, uh, uh, not coastal but more Central Valley. Uh, which is not exactly the Midwest, but it's it's not coastal either. And yeah. uh, those tend to be sort of five and a half to seven and a half cap. Um, but again, it, it could be worth paying that if there's a significant the upside in, in rents, occupancy. Uh, controlling your water expenses is another thing we do. We'll bill back for water to tenants Got it. to encourage conservation. So. You know, we're not miracle workers. We can't take a, an overpriced, perfectly run park and do anything with yeah. it. But uh, even if it's seemingly overpriced through better operations, in fact, it might be a fair price to pay. Got it. Okay, cool. Yeah, absolutely. And then last thing is like the neighborhoods for, for mobile home parks. You know, I haven't really looked too much into the space, but just from the mobile park mobile home parks that I know that are in the Bay area, for example, where I grew yep. up, you know, there's a many, many of the mobile home parks are just not in the best of areas. Sure. That just may be a California thing. And maybe in the Midwest, they are closer to the jobs, closer to freeways, closer to where people want to live and where people want to. Do you find that the case in the Midwest or do you have, you know, very strict criteria when looking at the neighborhoods and making sure that they are close to jobs and in good neighborhoods. Cause not just the mobile home park, but all the surrounding properties, you don't want those to be D class. You want it to still be a nice neighborhood surrounding the mobile home park. So do you find that to be an issue with a lot of the inventory out there? Yeah, I would say, you know, California has certainly had a, a very long, good economic run. And indeed, whatever mobile home parks there were yeah. <laughs> in better locations and, you know, closer into San Francisco or L.A. or even Sacramento, a lot of those have been developed long ago. Um, so indeed, I would say in California, you're generally buying parks much farther outside a city center and or perhaps in a somewhat worse yeah. neighborhood than in places like, you know, Wichita and Columbus, Ohio. Um, so, yeah, that, that's probably a little a little different. You, you can find perhaps more well-located parks in general in the Midwest than probably on either coast. Yeah. 
That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Because if a park's well located, the developer owner is just going to sell it to some developer. The developer is going to make it into a apartment building nowadays because the right. caps are so low and you can just buy the land. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. It's been almost an hour now. So um, what's the best way? I know we mentioned a couple of websites for you, your podcast. Yep. What's the best way to people for people to get in touch with you and any other direction you want to point people to? Yeah, I think just, just come to the website, parkavenuepartners.com. Uh, I'm there. My contact information uh, is there. We've got a phone number. Um, you can also sign up for our mailing list uh, that way uh, and, and keep abreast of our deal flow and fundraising. There's a page on the website. Uh, just I think it simply says email or email list. Just click that, join it. Uh, keep in touch. Again, we're, we're actively raising money and uh, uh, we don't charge fees at all. Uh, no acquisition fee, no management fee, no personal guarantee fee, even wow. though I'm putting up my house and my cars and my stock <laughs> portfolio as collateral on some of the bank debt to, wow. to earn money for our investors. Um, so that's something else that makes us unique. Uh, what we view is really pure alignment with investors. We've got a no fee structure um, and just want to really co-own mobile home parks with investors. Obviously, we handle all the, the deal sourcing and financing and operations, and then we all share uh, uh, right along with one another. We all share in, in the profits. So wow. parkavenuepartners.com. Yeah, that's real true partners right there where there's that's no it. fees going to the, the GP. Yeah, that's awesome. That, I really like that. I really like that as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, thanks again for coming on the show. And if anybody wants to reach out to me, you can come to my Instagram is probably the best place, Martel Antoine, or go to our website, martelturnkey.com. Thanks again, Jefferson Lilly, and I hope some people reach out to you and invest in your deals in the future. Thanks, Antoine.